Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name's Daniel Mark, and I'm joined around the table with Paul Siemens and Greg Harris. Hey, babe. Hey, everybody. Did you just say hey, babe? Hey, babe. No, my lips stuck together. Actually, it was, no, it was what? weird. You know, friends, this is why. So there's a we reason. We should be doing a retake, but Daniel's this is won't just let me. Oh, this is good radio right here, Paul. All there's right. a reason why you're talking like this, and why I'm talking like this. I have bags under my eyes, and my eyes hurt. And Greg, there's a reason I picked you up this morning. Mm. We are doing an 8 a.m. podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Right. We're in here in the studio. isn't that studio. early. There's a lot of working people who listen to our podcast and commute, and they get up at like 5 or 4, some people, to get into Vancouver, beat rush hour and all that stuff. Yeah, Daniel. So we think it's early, and especially Daniel, the millennial, thinks <laughs> this is just like, man, I got to get out of bed before 10. What? Do you know what's interesting, Paul? I had a breakthrough in... Uh, the millennial sphere. Turns out 1994, the year I was born, yeah. is the last year for millennials. The oh. year after, 1995 begins iGen. And I picked up this book by Gene Twangy called iGen. She's talking about the internet generation, mm. basically. That's what the next ones are called. So iGen. So it's like an iPod mm-hmm. or an i iPhone. Or an iPhone. So you're the youngest of the millennials. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Youngest mm. of the millennials. Mm. The last millennial. That that's should, a book. That should be your book. Is that the yeah. next? Maybe that's the next. Star I already Wars got title. a publisher, Andy Steiger. Totally. <laughs> Apologize, Canada. <laughs> the last millennial. Sweet. It's a three-part series. And Greg's here too. I am. I am also here. Daniel and I got uh, McDonald's coffee t- mm-hmm. this morning because it was a dollar, and uh, and they put red lids on now. They did, apparently. and and. Uh, my uh, my wife always likes to think that the coffee cup, the lid of the McDonald's coffee, looks like a man. Oh, it does. Speaking eyes to you. and a nose and an open mouth. And an open mouth. So now I can't unsee that. And he has tattoos between his eyes. and <laughs> You know, it's, it's like, here's something that'll blow the listener's mind. Have you ever looked at a FedEx sign? Yeah. Mm. And you see in between the E and the X, there's actually an arrow. Uh-huh. And once you see it, you can never unsee it. So every time you now look at the FedEx logo, you're mm. going to see the arrow. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff we're bringing to you on this extra podcast this morning. Yeah. This is bright and early morning. And Tostitos, the T's are people yeah. dipping a chip what? What? together in the middle. Yeah. No. Yeah. Shut up. I've never no. even, even <laughs> thought of that. Serious. Like, that's recent? That's a recent thing? Nope. If you look at the... the it's it's the... I guess it's the newest logo. I don't know. Over the last Guys, few years. Guys, we're looking this up right now. Toast... But yeah, it's like the T's are people, and then in the middle, they're dipping a chip. It's true. Mm. And they are looking on their phones right now. That's why they're silent, and I'm the only one talking. Paul, keep talking. Okay. So, <gasps> Greg just No saw way! <laughs> Guys. Dude. Oh, guess what's, guess what's right next to it? So, the FedEx logo. Look at this on my Google search. FedEx, Tostitos. Mm. Well, I'll raise you one more. Do you know 7-Eleven? Mm-hmm. The logo, the the N is is a lowercase, but all the other um, oh. letters are uppercase. What's Why? the reason? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> friends, this is riveting. So this Tostitos is a- are the chip of community. Mm. Yeah. If you're gonna have a community group, you should have Tostitos. Tostitos should really sponsor. Uh, our, our community, community groups. groups. We'll talk mm-hmm. to Darcy about that. If mm-hmm. people are listening to this program, Greg, and they want to get involved <laughs> in a community group. Who do they talk to? What do they? What steps do they take? 
Um, on the weekends, we have these little blue cards. You can fill one of those out. Uh, another option is, I think, on our website. If yep. you scroll on the main page down to the bottom of the website, all those cards that you can have in physical copies are available digitally. And yeah. you click on the one you want, and it'll lead you down the road you want to go down. So just go to northview.org, yep. scroll down, see the... Yeah, there's a place where you can sign up for community groups. Apply. The, be in one. the good people of the community department have, have thought it through. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hank Prins is probably going to be the guy you're going to end up talking to. Yes. About that. Hank the Tank. He's a you large Dutch man. He's what do you think he is? Six, six, five? Oh, six, seven? No. Six, six, eight? Six, five, maybe. Yeah. Six, four. Probably. Okay. He's a tall, he's a tall, tall guy. Tall mm-hmm. man. Former baker. Six, seven. Yeah. Yeah. Whose wife is gluten free. Mm. Mm-hmm. You guys are both gluten-free. Hey. You don't have wow. to yell at wow. us. This is weird. Yeah. It's not, You though. guys think you're better than everyone? Is that what it is, Paul? <laughs> no, we actually we actually think no, we're it's, far worse. It actually, yes. <laughs> we're worse off. To go, uh, to, to go to places and not just be able to eat whatever is given to you or go to McDonald's like you guys did this morning and not be able to have the bacon and egg McMuffin anymore is we is talked a, about hurts. this we, we talked about this this morning yeah. does anyone so I he, he, Greg says okay we'll say this and then we're gonna get into the what we actually want to talk about yeah but Greg's he says to me we overheard the lady repeat the order yeah as we were paying for the food because you know how they like take the order and take your mic at the same yeah. time yeah. so she was like so that's two sausage McMuffins and I told Daniel I can't trust a person who orders the sausage McMuffin Mm. And I said, as opposed to what the bacon? No, and I said the normal, like normal ham. Just, just the ham. One. Just the, mm. just the yep. plain egg. Just the number one egg McMuffin, and you always have to say it like you've never ordered there before. Can I have your a number uh, oof, one? <laughs> the egg Mc, that, that egg McMuffin one. You got to say it like you never done it, or else you feel the shame. <laughs> if you know ahead of time, I'm gonna get the four. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Twitch. So I, why do you feel embarrassed about that? I'm not. No, he's not embarrassed. But he's okay. he said that to which I said, Does, "Has anyone, like I think the ham one's overrated? Has anyone ever woken up in the history of the world and said, you know, I want to eat ham for breakfast?" I, Do you know I, what I mean? I, and the I, ham they give you on that little thing's a tiny little thin. Yeah, I'm, see, I've never been the the ham guy. I can't say exactly. It. Has anyone ever been the ham bacon. guy? Bacon, the bacon and egg. Yeah, McMuffin. I know. Or if you go to A and W, the sausage or the bacon and egger. Yeah. That's mm. good. They're, the buns there are a little nicer than the egg, than the English muffin. In true Northview Young Adults fashion, I went to A&W the other night and asked for a young adult burger. And the guy <laughs> laughed. <laughs> what would you get? Team burger. Nice. Gentlemen, we have, okay. a, uh, we have a phenomenal topic today. Mm. Could we say this topic was chosen before the foundations of the world that we may talk about it on this day? Paul. Praise God. And Greg and myself, we all preached this weekend on the Romans 8, 28 to 30 passage. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's interact a little bit with that passage. Greg, do you want to read it for us quick? Uh, I, don't, I don't have it open on my phone. Give him a second. I can read it. Paul's got it. Oh, you got his notes. Look at this. I do. Here, 28 to 30. I got it. Oh. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
the word of the Lord. Mm. So That's we all we all preached this this weekend. I was at Sunday night. You were in mm-hmm. mission, mission, and Greg was in worship center mm. in Oxford. Yes, so let's uh, let's all chat about it because we all had a slightly different take on it. Not that we disagreed on, I think the big pieces, but we emphasized different things. Greg, why don't you go first? Yeah. Uh, so in in Abbotsford, uh, I've in a few sermons I've preached here at the Oxford campus, uh, this idea of God's choosing who will be saved has come up in a, in a few texts. So I've I've brought up this idea, uh, this doctrine, a few times over the past few years. Um, Typically when I have, it's been met with a lot of um, um, feedback in terms of the other viewpoint than the one that I hold. So this weekend, I'm saying all that because this weekend I I was compelled in the way I structured my sermon to do it differently than you guys, because I really felt like in order for for me to to feel like I had communicated it well, I needed to give both viewpoints on it. Um, and so I took the majority of my sermon to outline both viewpoints and then try to really persuade them, persuade our church family about uh, the viewpoint I hold, which is that God's foreknowledge isn't um, him choosing on the basis of how people respond to the gospel, but it's his sovereign choice based on no condition of um, us. And so uh, other than the fact that we belong to him. So so I, I did that and then I, I tried to apply it by saying, look, if we believe this, this is actually going to lead us to have the great comfort that Paul goes into in verse 31, the great comfort of verse 28, which is that all things work together for good. And I think it's going to make next weekend when we talk Romans 8, 31 to 30, is it 39? The rest of the Mm. chapter, Mm -hmm. I think understanding foreknowledge in the way that I was trying to persuade people about that it's not God choosing on the basis of him foreseeing what decision they'll make, but it's his sovereign choice of choosing those who belong to him. Um, I think that's going to help the rest of the passage just burst into the joy that Paul's intending. So I, I structure my sermon in such a way to try to engage with people who I know are members and people who serve in various capacities, paid and not paid, um, who, who hold a different viewpoint than I do on this issue. And I was trying to engage them in a way that I would fairly represent their viewpoints. I had an email from a guy saying, I was listening to your sermon and you unpacked the first, the first view. And he said, and I was convinced that was the one you try to persuade me of. Cause he's like, I liked that view. I thought you did a really good job explaining it. And mm-hmm. then when you said you weren't doing that one, he was kind of shocked. So I'm happy to know that someone who holds the view felt I did a fair enough job that there was no caricaturing of, of their viewpoint. So, cause like I said, in my sermon, good, good Christian brothers and sisters do disagree on this issue. And it doesn't do us any good to caricature people that we disagree with. We should be able to represent their views fairly and then engage with them mm. fairly. So, so Greg, if someone were to ask you then, why do you want us to agree with you? What would be the main reason why we should agree with you on your, the, the main reason why I think, well, there's a, there's an exegetical reason and then there's a, there's a pastoral application reason. The, the main reason exegetically I want you to agree with my viewpoint is because I do think it most fairly represents what Paul's actually trying to communicate. Um, I think it makes them, I, I do think the language of foreknowledge when it comes to events can talk about God knowing what will take place. I think that is how the scriptures use the word when it comes to events. But when it comes to people, the language of knowledge and foreknowledge has to do with relationship. It just does. And so I, I, I want people to 
embrace the viewpoint because I think it's what the Bible teaches. And I think we're in a better spot when we understand the author's intent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just that I was wanting to try to win people's mind to good thinking. It's that when our mind is one to this kind of thinking, I think it wins our hearts to a kind of living and a kind of hoping um, that I think is deeper. I think it's, I think it's a, an immeasurable hope for us that in the midst of any situation, we, we can know that God will bring us to our glorified, resurrected state because he has chosen us, not based on anything we've done, but simply because we belong to him. I think that truth is an anchor that's going to be able to keep you safe and keep you going and keep you rooted and hopeful in the midst of any and every circumstance, which I think is Paul's point that everyone that God foreknew, he ends up glorifying. It's a, it's a done deal from God's perspective. So I want people to feel the assurance, the like deep assurance of salvation that comes when we realize what God's foreknowledge means. Yeah. Well, so, when he talks, so that's why. When he talks about, I mean, when he gets to the end, he talks about glorified. Mm. Yeah. In right? the past tense. Past tense. Exactly. So it might, might as well have already happened. Yeah. Yeah. This is a done deal. You can have assurance that if you love God, that he has chosen you, that he has placed his love on you, that he has taken you, adopted you as a co-heir of the kingdom with his son, Jesus, because of what Jesus did. And you can know that you are saved and that you will be with him forever. So and then when Paul continues, like Greg said, when you get into this text that's going to come up this week, which I think is Jeff back yeah. this week. Yep. So Jeff will be preaching this on Sunday. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Mm. Mm. So this is confirming that, that God has you and that, that you're his. There's no question on this. Mm. If God is for us as his chosen, beloved people, who can be against us? Yeah. Who could stand and match him? Yeah, exactly. And and I, I brought up in my sermon that I, I think like there are other places where Paul will talk about our our role in what it looks like to be people who are saved, right? We we choose to profess and believe, we um we we work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Like there is language that the scriptures use to talk about what the Christian life is going to look like. But we can't or another, we need to allow Paul to emphasize God's perspective of salvation and, and allow him to do that without us saying, yeah, but what about our, our choice? Mm-hmm. Because he's going to talk about that later in Romans 10. But in this passage, he's talking about God's perspective. So when, when people want to bring in to this passage, our work it's just not letting Paul talk about what he wants to talk about, mm. right? It's mm-hmm. like if I wanted to spend time talking about like my, my favorite football team and someone else comes around and says, yeah, but Greg, I also know you really like the Canucks. It's like, okay, right. But right now I want to have this conversation. Both those things are still true. I, but right now I'm having this conversation. In Romans 8, 28 to 30, Paul wants to have the conversation about what God's perspective is of salvation. Mm. And we should let him, let him have that have that space and have that point in his writing and in his, his preaching, his communicating to, to let him talk about God's perspective of salvation without us necess- uh, unnecessarily bringing in other 
salvation imagery from other places that he's written. Mm-hmm. I, I just think people, if we understand that Paul is a consistent thinker, that he actually has a cohesive viewpoint of salvation, that it includes God's activity and our activity, then we shouldn't be afraid to emphasize what the passage that we're dealing with in particular emphasizes. Because mm-hmm. I found a lot of times too in my studies and when I undergrad, there's a, always a lot of mistrust of Paul mm-hmm. in the sense that we can never really know what Paul's talking about. Like, is he really trustworthy? And I, I guess he's an apostle, but was he really an apostle? And mm. I find that, yeah, this is a good, well, I mean, what you're saying there, Greg, is a good thing for us not to be putting ourselves into the text, but let this text speak to us. And I think separating the two views, this is God's perspective. And it looks like this. And then from our perspective, it looks like this, like from uh, for us, it looks like persevering totally, and, and acting upon uh, this conviction. So mm. one of the things that, as I was studying this, was uh, one of the ones that comes before is we were called. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Paul, do you want to interact with that? What does it mean to be called? Well, yeah, the word called in the scriptures is used the way we use it. Like it can use it in a lot of different ways. But whenever it's being used of God mm. calling people. So again, you have to look at who's the subject and who's mm-hmm. the object or what's the object. So if it's God calling people, there's an effect that he has on that person when he does it. Hmm. Tim Keller, um, I have a quote for it here somewhere, what he says. He's, um, here it is. Tim Keller says, This is therefore an internal illumination that God sends to awaken us to the truth. So when God calls us, hmm. I mean, this is, this is the time when, when the Holy Spirit comes on us. He changes our hearts. He changes our hearts from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, to hearts that are against the things of God and against wanting to obey God to hearts that want to obey him. And so that that's the that's the effect of of how the word called is being used in this text. So how do you know you're called? There's my next question. How do you know you're called? Mm -hmm. Well, the called are those who love God. Mm -hmm. So it's the same group of people. So the those that is descriptive of who God foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified. The mm-hmm. those that he's talking about are those who are called according to his purposes, who love him. Mm-hmm. So it's the same group. So even what I, I didn't bring this up because I didn't have time. I was already over time. But like Paul has this tendency to always tip his hand to the other aspect of salvation. Like when he's talking about our work in salvation, in are working out our own salvation, he tips his hand by saying, but it's God who works in you to will and to work. Mm-hmm. When he's even talking about those whom God called according to his purposes, mm-hmm. he tips his hand to saying those who love God. Mm-hmm. Like he, right. he wants to emphasize something, but he, he doesn't want us to not notice that there's still the other aspect still involved. So yeah, those who are called are those who love God. So the way I unpack that was saying, do, do you believe in Jesus for your salvation? Do you, do you want to follow him as your Lord? Because mm-hmm. if you do, that's evidence of the fact that that God has done this inward illuminating work mm-hmm. in your heart. Cause, cause it's not the natural state of people to mm-hmm. want to recognize their sin, call out a need for a savior and follow Jesus as Lord. That's not the natural state. Yeah, of any the unbeliever person. has no concern about the afterlife or their, the effects of hell or sin. Right. They, like they just don't, right. It doesn't even cross their mind. Right. I, I, was, I was talking as I was preparing this sermon. Um, I have a friend who became a Christian late in life. Like when I say late, I mean like late thirties. Sure. Okay. So he had lived a lot of life 
up to this point, and he was living far from God, wanted nothing to do with him. And he said, all of a sudden, he hadn't been to church. He hadn't heard the gospel preached yet. And all of a sudden, he had this desire to go to church and to find out who Jesus was. And to um, and his worldview changed. And he was like, what's going on? He didn't even know. He was going, what's going on in me? Yeah. But I need to find an answer to all these questions I all of a sudden have. Yeah. And you can't shake it. Yeah. That's the thing I, I, that I really right. took away from this is this comes upon you and you're like, okay, I, I hear this being preached and, yeah. I, and I, I believe it. I don't know why I believe it. I can't shake this thought. Is yeah. Like, why can't I get rid of this? Naturally, I don't think this way. Right. And that's why I think when you begin to, when someone's called, this is, mm. you know, it's a, it, it is an obscure thing to the unbeliever. It's fool. It's foolish. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. You and then I mean? so, so he goes to church, becomes a Christian, and then he still has these questions of, of like, how in the world did I come here? How did I come to this point? Mm-hmm. And then he heard somebody teach this doctrine of election and he was like, Oh, yeah, that's what God did to me. Yeah. Do you know and, a verse? I asked him to send me a, a couple of sentences and sure. here's what he said. I, I included it in my sermon this last week. He says this, this is my friend talk, talking. He chose me. I didn't know or want to know God. And notice how he used the word know there. Yeah. Right. As a relational, it's relational, totally. right. Which is for like how the foreknowledge is used in this text. So he's saying, I didn't know or want to know God. I was as far from being a Christian as anyone could be. Then my entire worldview changed and it was not of my own volition. My eyes were open to the gospel and I didn't understand why until the doctrine of election was explained to me. Hmm. Praise God, I'm his and apparently always was. (laughs) That's cool. Like, isn't that? It just makes you feel great. You think about, and now listen, I know a lot of people grew up in the church. A lot of people listen to this podcast, grew up in the church and they go, well, I've never had that like, aha moment or that, oh, all of a sudden, uh, like, and it's like, well, nope. you know what? Because God did that in you. If you love God right now, like this text says, if God did this work in you at such a young age that you can't even remember it. Mm-hmm. Like if you've always had that soft spot for Christ. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And praise God. Yeah. Praise God that you were never so far from him or, or you don't even remember being so far from him. Yeah. Like that's, that's an amazing testimony to give. Yeah, it's true. You know, I always think about that because what about the person we always hear about the people, you know, if you go to something and someone's sharing a testimony and, uh, like, yeah, man, I was, I was killing people. I was in a gang or whatever, you know, and then you're sitting there like, okay, I grew up in the church and, uh, I've always kind of believed like, what is my testimony? Yeah. But in a sense, yeah, what you're saying is your testimony is actually God's his grace upon your life that he's kept you near to him his whole the whole time mm. which is also just a beautiful testimony well when mm-hmm. you talk to people uh, like your friend and like the people who have these conversion experiences later in their life um it's they would often uh, the way i've heard them explain it to me is that they think it's foolish when they hear people complain about them growing up in a christian home where this was yeah. a part of their worldview their right. whole life they're like are you kidding me like i, I would have like I'm going to now try to raise my whole family so that when my kids are born, yes. they're born into the, the same kind of experience you had. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't discredit it as not a good enough story that I think this is honestly, I think this is part of our big conversion culture that we think someone's story is better if they have a more dramatic conversion story. And yeah. it's just, it's, 
it's an unfortunate part of the Christian culture right now that we have that we don't see it as a blessing that someone like all the kids who are who parents dedicated their kids this weekend at the Abbotsford campus mm-hmm. mission two or mm-hmm. yeah no no uh, just Abbotsford campus this past weekend of like what a great testimony that these kids can have if they come to saving faith later in their life that they could say, yeah, my parents stood up before a bunch of people I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. And they asked for prayer to raise me as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And now I am praise God. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say it's going to be easy and there might be some wrestling in that until, but Yeah. 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 So when I preached in mission, I preached on from the angle being the care pastor, um, I preach from the angle of that this this text, when we look at God's sovereignty, so so what what we preached last week was looking at God's sovereignty over our future mm. with the the new creation and um, how the creation's groaning right now and and eventually our bodies will be resurrected and all that stuff. So God's sovereignty over the future, but how this text talked about, God's sovereignty over our present situations. So all all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So he also has sovereignty over our salvation. And that when we think about our lives as Christians and how we can draw comfort from God, like we often will think of his attributes such as his love for us or his grace or his mercy. Mm-hmm. And we'll think of these things, but we can actually... It, all of that is rooted in the fact that he's sovereign. Because yeah. if he's not sovereign, then you can't really trust his love. And you can't really trust his grace. Only if God is sovereign over all things can you trust his other attributes. Mm-hmm. Because his sovereignty is what makes him God. And so he reveals him, his attributes to us. He reveals that he's loving, merciful, gracious, just that he's just. Yeah. And when we root our comfort in him in the fact that he is sovereign, I mean, it's it's such a beautiful feeling to ha- to know and no- beautiful knowledge to know that my life, my future, my salvation isn't in my hands, but it's actually in the hands of this loving father who will never leave me or forsake me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would ra- much rather trust my life and my future and my present situations, no matter how I'm feeling or what doubts I have, I would rather entrust my whole being in his hands rather than my own. Yeah. And to many people, this is the, the kind of father that they should have had. Yes. You know what I mean? Like this is this loving, yeah. gracious, like, he's the father we all should have. Even if we had great dads growing up, this mm-hmm. is the greatest picture of, of a loving father that you could have mm-hmm. one who will protect you, one who will be mm-hmm. just, who will make wrongs, mm-hmm. right. Who will hold you accountable and make mm-hmm. you into the person that you should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Anything else you want to add that you touched on that was unique? Uh, I read at the end, I closed with the Heidelberg catechism <laughs> question one question and answer. One. Oh, you RTS guy. Paul. <laughs> hey, I, uh, well this, I, I mean, it is, Anyway, go. I Greg, did it too, ahead. but it was the new. I just quoted the New City Catechism. Oh, did you? Instead, because yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, the New City Catechism kind of summarizes that a bit. Yeah, but yeah, the Heidelberg um, says it this way: uh, "What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins." 
with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my father in, in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Mm. I mean, those are amazingly mm. beautiful and comforting words. Yeah, no, they are. Um, well, I guess I'll say, Paul, you might have to dip out here if, if you hear the door slam. It's Paul leaving. He has to go to another meeting. But uh, what I said in mind, first, I just wanted to add to that. We were just talking about the called thing. There's a verse that I found that is just it was really helpful to me. And it was First Thessalonians 1 verses 4 and 5. We're talking, it says this, for we know brothers and sisters loved by God. There's that loved, right? He loved us first, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words. So it, it came to the people and it was preached. Mm -hmm. So they heard the gospel, but also with power, mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And that was kind of the thing that, mm -hmm. you know, people can hear the message. There was tons of people who heard Jesus preach. But they didn't, it didn't sink in. They didn't have that conviction. Mm -hmm. And I think the conviction, the conviction is what sets you apart. So I think you can know if you're called and know if you're saved is if, when you hear this and you have deep convictions about it, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not going to waver from this. This is true. And this is worth, you know, defending. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I thought was really profound. The way I approach the text is I, you know, we see in verse 28 and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I said, you know, a lot of times it seems like a victory verse, but this comes on the back end of a, an entire suffering mm. text. And yeah. so when we look at our lives, we mm. say, okay, we get that there's suffering, but why would you, God, a good God, allow this suffering? And so I kind of mm. took a little a bit of an apologetics, a little mm. bit of an Andy Steiger, Apologetics Canada route in the sense um, of, you know, why would God allow this suffering in our lives? Mm. Like, how is that for our good? And so I looked at the Joseph story. Mm-hmm. And which is a, just a great example of that great case study mm -hmm. of how God uses all of these things because at all times, God, he permits, he sustains and sometimes causes all things. And so I, I mm. said that from the front, mm -hmm. this is God's sovereignty in action. Mm -hmm. So sometimes he's going to cause things to come in your life or allow them to mm -hmm. be in your life because it's actually going to, it's going to shape you into the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, and, and Tim Keller says that this teaches us to look at life's troubles is part of God's loving purpose for us. Mm. And so it, it got, because God loves us, he's transforming us and he's mm -hmm. allowing us to go through these to change us. So I said, this is a cool thing. And then I, the next thing I went to is just acknowledging the tension mm. because, you know, for those who approach this, it's, it's really tough because you have a family member who's walked away from Christ yep. and they, they no longer believe. And, uh, friends, what you're hearing right there was a little, bit of live radio action where we actually lost the podcast it crashed on us and then uh, through the magic work of some of the people here on staff we we're actually able to find the files so all is not lost we thought we were not going to have an episode turns out we do have an episode for you guys so thank you for listening that's as far as it got but hopefully that was helpful up till then and uh, we'll be back next week with um, the extra podcast keep those questions coming in and uh, we look forward to uh bringing this to you next week have a good one happy thanksgiving too if you're american a big american thanksgiving enjoy some of that turkey oh i bet you love your turkey okay see you later